The following show is pre-recorded. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Operations for 820 AM The Word. I had a great conversation last week with my good friend Kai Martin, former lead pastor at Seattle Foursquare. And I say former because Kai has now moved on and is uh, is the lead pastor at Grace Harbor Foursquare Church in the Aberdeen area, in the Grace Harbor area. But uh, we've had a chance to sit down and record, and last week we, we talked about some really interesting things as far as uh, you know what what's happening with church relationships with pastors and ministry groups in the North Seattle area, and Kai's a part of that. And uh, then also just what the the Lord's doing in ethnic churches around the area. And uh, Kai, welcome back. Hey, Chuck, it is uh, always a blessing, <laughs> and uh, I've turned on eight twenty and. Heard your voice and and listened to the many stories, and I know many can go onto your podcast and and see the. You have interviewed a ton of the great leaders here on kind of the I five corridor, and um, and heard their testimony. Some of my, you know, like I know them personally, but I didn't know their stories. So yeah. thank you for bringing those out. Well, I love to hear the stories because uh, it, <sighs> Oftentimes we don't uh, get to hear the testimonies of pastors because they're too busy preaching, mm-hmm. and they forget to to tell their own personal story. and uh, And I love I love to hear it because um, I'm a naturally curious person, and so I like to ask questions. And I love to hear the stories because it reveals the unique faithfulness of God that that God has does some some says some pretty interesting things to people at time in the midst of circumstances that. In the natural, you kind of look at and go, what's this all about? And and uh, then over the course of time and being able to look back, and you can see how God wove uh, some miraculous things into life and, and into relationships to uh, to give direction and purpose in, in people's lives. And I love to hear those stories. Mm-hmm. And so as I ask you to come back and kind of uh, wrap up some some thoughts, uh, you know, I I would really love for you to kind of share. You've been back into the Seattle area for ten years, and now moving back to Grays Harbor. And uh, what has Seattle taught you? <laughs> what have you learned in these ten years as as being a pastor and as being a leader? What uh, how have you matured? Well, I hope in a lot of good ways. I know that uh, I have some scars on my back that I will remember that were painful. Um, some of that's just the fallen nature. Some of that is mistakes. Um, but like the old Leviticus uh, where the Levites couldn't serve if they had an open festering wound, <laughs> I hope mine have closed over um, and uh, turned into scars. Uh, but then there's been some unbelievable victories, Chuck, of just you know people that you – you just go, Jesus, that is the work of the Spirit. I see it. And um, seeing people get set free from addictions and and uh, people that never believed that the Lord would love and care for them, minister to them, give them his Holy Spirit. And to watch that time and time again has uh, done my heart good. Um, I think one of the things I've learned that has probably been one of the most fruitful pieces has been that all things have to be first established in prayer. You can't. 
you can't willy-nilly just a- approach it from a programmatic a- approach of going, God, I'd really like to see this. Everything has to be birthed, sustained, finished in prayer. And I've found the people that know how to pray and pray through. It's kind of the old Pentecostal uh, phrase of praying through or tearing at the altar. And uh, But the people that knew what they were talking about, it was not a, a just like a time frame. It was a place of going, get a hold of God and let God get a hold of you. And we have experienced that over and over again. My When I first moved up here, it was the prayer meetings on Thursday nights that I could tell better with the direction of where the church was than on Sunday morning because I could hear their hearts cry and I could hear the, the anxieties and I could hear the pain. I could hear the confusion. I could hear the victories. We could have the testimonies and that would help set me up for the things that I felt God was saying. And a lot of times he'd withhold and he'd say, Kai, not yet. <laughs> that has to get worked into their hearts first and they haven't prayed it through enough. And so there's been this, this uh, recognition of, of, of patience um, and the, the difficulty in the city, as, as you know, is it's a passive aggressive culture. I'm a very, uh, personable person. So that hit head on. Um, and then there was a place just the speed of things and expectations that people put on you were, uh, inhuman. And then on, <laughs> and then you place beyond that of just the pressures that come with culture and others where you're not seen as an asset, but now you're seen as a liability or for that matter, as somebody that could be detrimental to the community because you name the name of Jesus. And um, and the thing is, I think God prepared me well for that because being raised on Vashon Island where uh, being a, a Christian was not a popular thing or an, it, I didn't know a lot of Christians. It wasn't like it came from the Bible Belt or from a Bible-believing family. And so I, I realized quickly, okay, how do you survive in the midst of that? And, and we took the adage that um, David at Ziklag, you know, where – his, even his closest friends are turning on him and wanting to kill him. And he went and strengthened himself in the Lord. And when I say pray and pray things through, it's taking that adage of David and going, there's no one else I can turn to. Lord, you are my refuge and my strength. And so the word came alive, pressing people into the scriptures. But the interesting thing that we have learned with Seattle is, and this was helpful that we were in college ministry, you only got them for a little bit. They have their second kid and they want to move to Marysville. Or down to Federal Way. They want to get a house in Auburn. And you kind of look at the studio apartment that was really cool when they first got married isn't too cool when the second kid comes. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> and so you had to always look at somebody as a gift that God gave and would be given away. So one of the things we always did when we started our membership class, we just go, let me tell you how you're going to leave this church because every one of you are going to leave. And one of our guys, Gordon uh, Murray, that you know well, right. uh, would remind me, he goes, not everybody, Kai, somebody. And I go, it might be on a box. But <laughs> all of us at some point are not going to be here and leading here. So we have to prepare that way that we're going to come into this family, but there's going to be a time that we're going to leave this family. And so Seattle's taught us that, that uh, take take what you've been given, use it for the purposes of the Lord, but also don't try to hold on to it and possess it, but rather just let the Lord lead and direct people. Well, I... I've gone through decision-making in my life as far as uh, whether it's job or moving across the country. Um, I think probably one of the hardest things is for a pastor to be able to describe how the Lord has moved you from one place to another because it's it's different than so many vocations. I mean, 
uh, a lot of people, you know, if they get, you know, if they're offered $10,000 more at another job, you know, and they, you know, they put widget A into widget B, they're going to go put widget A and B in a job that pays $10,000 more, right? right? It's just, that's just the way it is. But when we start talking about the call of God <laughs> and God sending you to a place and you've got a family, a wife and kids and all the dynamics that happens with, with a family and you've got the hearts of of people really in your hands as far mm-hmm. as they've given their heart to you as their shepherd. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to share how in the world does does the Lord begin to work on a heart to say, this is a place that I love, but this is a place that I now need to leave. Yeah. I mean, Chuck, I wish there's been times that I thought I wish that cloning was ethical. It's, it's not, just to clarify <laughs> right. for anybody listening. Right. Um, but the uh, the cloning, the idea of I want to be here, but I need to be there. And I think we can take great comfort in the scriptures when you see great leaders like Paul for three years in Ephesus, but he raised great leaders to stay. And um, I think it's one of our desires to always be known, to be present, to be safe. Those are natural parts that are there. But we belong to a king in which he knows where he wants to place people. And I hope that widget A, widget B person in the future would actually think of themselves like a pastor where they've been placed. Because there's a lot of businesses that are praying for somebody to step in that can be a shepherd to that restaurant, be a shepherd at Boeing, be somebody that can come alongside them um, in the marketplace. And so I hope that they would take that on and they wouldn't just um, make a a cavalier decision. But I know that most people make decisions out of pain. Okay, I don't want to have a heart attack, so I'm going to eat healthier. Or I've had, you know, two stints put in, I'm going to do this differently. And generally people make Uh, vocational changes in the same way because uh, I'm going to make more money. Okay. But most of the time is I don't want to work with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, the number one reason actually that missionaries are returning from the field right now is because of conflict with other missionaries. It's not because of funds. It's not because of these other things. It's conflict. It's pain. And so that was the first thing when people would hear and they go, what's wrong? And I go, nothing. Because they're expecting pain to be what is the budget bad? I mean, COVID, was it rough? And I'm like, uh, it was rough, but I found great leaders. And the finances of the church are strong. And they're looking for them. Why make a change if there's not pain? But I, I hope, and I know you're the same way of going, if I'm not led by the Spirit, I'm going to have to account to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. He is one, John 3, 8, it, the Spirit will lead, will blow like the wind and move people. We know that he says it was in Matthew 9 where he places workers, pray to the God of the harvest to send forth workers and laborers into the field. And knowing that about the Lord, you go, who am I as a laborer to say not, not to go? And so I think the first thing is to be convinced of the Lord of what he's saying. And so I take a lot of times, and it may be a Macedonian call where you're resisted by the Spirit going into Asia, which Paul was, I think it's Acts sixteen seventeen, And He's resistant, and instead of Paul going, well, what am I doing here? And whine and moan like most Americans would. He went to prayer, and immediately there was a man calling to him from Macedonia saying, come over here. And and that opened up all of northern Greece to the gospel. And I love the, the modeling that Paul does for us because it's the place of just going, my life is not my own. I know what he said to me. If it's here in Asia Minor, if it's in Ephesus, which he later got to, or if it's Thessalonica, Philippi, 
we're going to spread the good news wherever God places us. And so for us, it was, um, it's one of those things in which I have told the Lord, I will not dictate where you can send me. I've tried to tell him where he can't send me. <laughs> and I've learned on that one, Chuck, that that's not wise because even coming to Seattle, I'm like, why would anybody want to live here? That was three months before we were moving to Seattle. Um, because and I was looking at the traffic. I was looking at the, the heartache. I was looking at just the, the hatred that I saw between people. I'm like, who would ever want to live there? And then moving up here, I'm like, me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. God sending me into the midst of that. And right. So I think there's a part where the people that are listening to this that do know the voice of the Spirit, don't dictate to the Lord what you're going to do. Be to the place of just saying, Lord, I am yours. I am in your hands. Because those are the people that we want to emulate. That's the Hebrews 11. When you look at that list of people, they never dictated to the Lord where they're going to be and where they're not going to be. They were willing to be in their hand, in the hand of the Lord. And so I don't think Joseph said, well, I'd really like to be in Egypt and just put me in prison for a while just so I get it all figured out and then all protect my family and have reconciliation at the end. It's no, we live by faith. Right. So I think I would just say that that's the first part of knowing when the, there's the something stirring in the heart. And then I think there's the other key to recognize that that God is the one that is the chief shepherd. And I hope that people recognize that, that, that God sees and cares for things. And there was a word that after our supervisor asked me, would we consider going back to Aberdeen? He goes, just tell me no. Just tell me no. They're going to ask me because you came from there. They love you and your family, and they love for you to come back. Just tell me no, and we'll just move on. And we couldn't shake it. We went to prayer, and it was just one of these parts of going, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. But then we have a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old that are all deeply enmeshed into, into the you know sports and friends and everything up here. We have a great church, great leaders. Just finished a long project that took two years to finish. Literally the Sunday before, they called and said, would you consider going to Aberdeen? And I've just dictated to the Lord and said, I will not ask, I will not, but I will answer, and I will respond as you direct and lead. And he gave me a very clear word about three weeks into it. It wasn't right away. I expected like just a simple word that I could obey. And he just and when I asked him for that, he just said, I've, you've matured, Kai. I'm going to talk to you as a, as a father talks to a son. And it is not just where you're going to be placed. I want to talk to you about your heart. So we spent three weeks just dealing with my heart. And then he made a statement to me, Chuck, that I really patted myself on the back. And he, he said, Kai, you've, uh, you've tilled, removed a lot of rocks, and enjoyed several harvests. I'm like, Lord, that's true. You know what? That's, that's, that's a good summary of the last nine years of investing our heart in this city. And then he followed that statement up where I was patting myself on the back with a question. And we both know that when God asks questions, it's not to get information. He is all-knowing. But it's to expose our hearts. And he said to me, is it okay that I send another shepherd to bring forth more harvests from this field in a new generation? And I wanted to argue with him. Yeah, I have a problem with that. No, I, I'm here. You know, I wanted to raise my hand and tell right. him, you know, right. you already picked me. You already placed me here. But there was this release in me of going part of the change of us moving to Aberdeen is that a new leader would step in and bring forth harvest in a new generation. Imagine Paul never left Corinth. Apollos wouldn't have come. Hmm. Priscilla and Aquila wouldn't have risen as the leaders that they are. And so there's some of it in which I think that there's something that's needed in our community that I'm not one to give. There's another shepherd that's going to come alongside and give. And in that brought such comfort to my heart because there's this tearing where you're like, I love this family. 
I don't want it to fall apart. I don't want this to happen. I don't want somebody to come in that will beat the sheep or hurt the sheep or not lead people to Christ. And then when he, but he said that word to me of going, is it okay? And I knew a new generation didn't mean just young people. I knew it was people I couldn't touch. It was people I didn't have a relationship with. He goes, is it okay if I bring another shepherd that can bring them into the kingdom and disciple them? And obviously anybody with a half a heart for the Lord would say, oh, please, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in Seattle as it is today. I want it tomorrow. I want it the next day. And so that led to us to say yes to Aberdeen, knowing that God had another placement of another leader that's going to step in and which we'll rejoice in once they're, they're placed in the church and and to watch those leaders come around them and thrive. And I can't wait to watch the baptism services and others that will come in the years to come with people I've never touched or even know their names. Mm-hmm. But I know that that's the promise of the Lord, that there was something that needed to be brought forth that other leaders had that I didn't have. Kai, I know that there are people listening to your story right now, and 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 maybe they are not in what we call vocational ministry. Maybe they are putting putting widget A and widget B, but the Lord's called them to a place. Mm-hmm. And you've used some terms, um, you know, that you've felt a release. Mm-hmm. And you said the Lord spoke to me in this way. And I've had those promptings, and we use the word prompting. You know, yeah. it's yep. like the Lord gives you something within your spirit, within your heart, where the Lord says something to you, whether... It has to do with, you know, you've you've tilled and you've taken out the rocks and you've given a harvest. For me, many, many years ago, this thing was planted in my mind, have no thought of your own in the matter. I was listening to a tape from a, 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 from a pastor, and that, that phrase, this was back in uh, 1984, 85, have no thought of your own in the matter. And five years later, the Lord kind of revealed to me what that meant, that I thought I was going to Worcester, Massachusetts to be a, an assistant pastor, and I end up in Muckleteo <laughs> painting houses, yep. right? Yep. How does that happen? Yeah. But but yet the Lord in his providence kind of helps um, prompt our hearts yeah. and then releases our hearts uh, from from the the burden or the the mantle that he's given to you and says it's okay you're this season of your life is over mm-hmm. and now you get to, a chance to move on yep and i think how you put that of for yourself don't put yourself in the midst of that i think that's why most people don't make changes is they have not put the kingdom first mm-hmm. and when he dealt with that in your heart you go if that's Michael Teal it's Michael Teal and and i've i've stopped telling the lord what i'm unwilling to do he always has a way of going back to those things. But if it's the place where I think that mainly the ones that are serving and I, the marketplace people, the teachers, uh, the business people, the coffee shop, I, I, I see those settings, the veterinarians, in which they have so much access to the heart of people in their greatest need. And for them to recognize that they've been placed there and needed there, just like Paul was a tent maker of going, this will be my trade, but it shapes people for the work that is to come. And so, yeah, our um, professionally is that, but you know, if I was working at Home Depot, I'd be the exact same. I remind my kids of that. And I said, I love, I, I like the color orange just because of Clemson and a couple of other teams that I love, but um, <laughs> you know, and I go, I, I, I would use the plumbing aisle as being the aisle in which people are in need. And I'm going to meet not just their physical needs, but also the deeper needs of their heart. And so in our city, a lot of that is hid underneath relationships is headed underneath uh, 
uh, a veneer of uh, prosperity and financial provision in which they don't have need. But once you get to the place of they're not at peace in their heart, that comes out and that window is going to happen in many people's homes and not in our churches. And I think that that's why I've, I've tried to spread the leadership to every age, <laughs> every demographic, every ethnic group, because I look and I go, in your house, they're going to fall apart. In your house, they're going to be open to the, the leading of the Spirit. Into your house, they're going to be the ones confessing their sin. And when the veneer gets ripped off of the prosperity or some of these other things that I think is going to satisfy them, it never does. So I would say that that's the part that I've learned here in the city is just the place of going, let your home be a sanctuary that people can come and find the liberty and joy that comes in the Spirit of the Lord. Guy, we've got about uh, three minutes left. And um, and so as you, uh, as you were navigating through this process and this season— and this is a long of uh, uh, this is a long question to ask for three minutes of time. But in leading your family through this, you know, oh, you're yeah. talking about um, your kids and their yeah. older teenagers, and so they have, you know, they have thoughts and and ideas and needs that mm-hmm. are part of that. How do you, as a dad, navigate through those changes? Well, we wanted to make sure that it was the leading of the Lord and not just our desire, because we loved Aberdeen, great history there. And we wanted to eliminate that. And then we just put obstacles before the Lord to address. And and we took it to our kids and said, okay, mom and I own 51%. You own 49% of this decision. You sway one of us. It's easy and done. Um, but we said, we want to treat you like people that hear the Lord. But don't hear for yourself. Hear for our family. Is this right for our family? Not right for your dad. Not right for your mom. Not right for you. But right for us. And they heard the Lord. Uh, reluctantly, but heard the Lord. And they go, okay, we're willing, or I'm willing to be willing. And uh, that led us into the harder conversations beyond from our kids to people that we've led to the Lord. And people, I just brought on a children's pastor and a youth pastor in the last two months. And to look at them and say, and we're resigning. And they go, no, (laughs) no. Uh, And I go, okay, here's the thing is, you are great and equipped, and I'd be honored to be able to lead you all the way through this. But you're going to have to trust the Lord to lead you through this your place where you're supposed to be, let me go where we're supposed to be. And uh, and we, we've gotten some pushback, but that pushback has been out of love for us, of asking about our kids and asking about, is this wise? Is this okay during COVID? They've asked all those right questions. Uh, but I guess, Chuck, to, to the leading of the Lord, those that hear the Lord, they just go, we love you. Um, Aberdeen is blessed. We're blessed. Thank you for loving us. And then we've brought conclusion over the last month and a half with that congregation. Well, there's much to learn from this conversation. We've been talking with Pastor Kai Martin. And uh, Kai, I, I appreciate the uh, the 10 years of ministry that you've had here. You've touched me personally and my family. And uh, you've touched uh, the, this community. And, um, you know, that's what uh, being a pastor and a shepherd you when you do it unto the lord then it's not a kingdom of your of yourself you're giving to the kingdom of god and investing in his kingdom and and uh, he knows how to then manage those relationships and those things that you've helped uh, to to build and to 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 form and to have that continue on uh, for his for his honor and for his glory mm-hmm. so i want to thank you for doing that and um 
we'll continue to pray for you Thank and you. to pray for your family and to pray for uh, the churches in the area and for the people that uh, that have relationship with you and for the new congregation there mm-hmm. at uh, Grace Harbor uh, Foursquare Church. Well, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, John. Yeah, God bless you. And um, if you uh, if you want to get more information about uh, Seattle Foursquare Church or some of the other churches in the area, or if you're looking for a church to go to, I've had people call me up or email me and say, Chuck, can you recommend some churches in the area? And and uh, uh, I know enough folks that I can help you with that if you're if you're searching. And so uh, you can get a hold of me at the station here at thewordseattle.com. Well, thanks for joining me today on Heart of the City. This has been good. Kai, bless you, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you again. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead. 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com The preceding program was pre-recorded.